Heavenly Father, we thank thee, Lord, for this day. We thank thee that there is a day and a week where we've been instructed by thee to come apart from the world, to rest, Lord, to focus upon our relationship with thee, to spend significant time with thee, special time with thee, with brethren, with friends, worshiping thee, reflecting on the blessings that we have in our lives that are all given from thee. Not the least of which, Lord, is this place and the purpose, the reason that we gather, that we have a Lord who came to earth to die that we might live. Not only that we might live, but that we might live abundantly. Help us, Lord, to cherish that reality and to live it out here on earth. Lord, be with those that can't be with us. We're mindful of Sister Hilda. Sister Paulette, Lord, bless them, strengthen them, help them, Lord, to feel our nearness. We're, we're mindful of Hans Hertig, who has taken a fall and is injured. Be with Hans and Helene. Lord, help us to know how we can better meet their needs in this time of difficulty. Lord, we're thankful to see Paula with us today, Lord, and we're thankful for each soul that has come. Be with Aunt Laney as well, who can't be with us, and bless her. Lord, bless thy children wherever truth is taught in this day. And now, Lord, open thy word in a place that seemeth good unto thee. Lord, we will thank thee for the blessings that we know we shall receive from thee in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Dear ones, as I was approaching, I knew it was my turn to, to serve today. And I was praying for days that the Lord would give me some inspiration, and he didn't. Last night, in the middle of the night, it was about 3 a.m., I, I woke up not feeling well and had a thought that I felt the Lord was giving me. And I thankfully was able to go back to sleep. And when I woke up this morning, that thought was gone, which is fine. So I've just prayed that the Lord would open a word to us, and he's open to John chapter 6. So I'll give you a moment to find that, John chapter 6, believing this is from the Lord. Beginning right with the first verse, John 6, beginning with verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them and were on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover of the feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread, not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. 
Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down and number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise the fishes, as much as they would. And when they were filled, they said, then said one of, unto, then said he, sorry, let me read that again, the, even though there's light, I'm still not seeing it well. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets, and the fragments of the barley loaves which remained over and above them that had eaten. I'd like to at least pause, perhaps even end with verse 13. It's interesting, dear ones, as I was sitting in the Bible class, I was reminded of a, a scripture that I heard. There was actually, it's actually two scriptures, and one that I can find right off the bat is, is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Dear ones, we just, the scripture in John is so familiar to us. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Multitudes were following Jesus because he, he healed them. Those that were in need came and they found rest. They found healing for all kinds of diseases. These, these were those that had nothing. These were those that had no hope. I find it interesting that the Jews were looking for a Messiah that would give them victory over Rome. They were looking for one who would set everything straight avenge their enemies, and they could reign in the land that was promised them. And they missed him. They didn't recognize who he was. He was there. But they didn't see him. Those that had nothing, those that had no hope, those that were the outcasts, like the woman that had the issue of blood 12 years. There was no hope. Their religion wasn't giving them what they needed. But the Messiah came, and he met their needs, and their eyes were opened, and they believed. I'm reminded of the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. Jesus shouldn't even have been talking to her. And it was the time of day when she came to the well when she could come because there wouldn't be other people there. And Jesus waits for her. He sends the disciples off. He waits for her. She comes and he asks her to give him a drink. 
And she said, why would you, a Jew, be asking me for a drink? And we know the story, dear ones. We, we, we've heard it in Sunday school. We didn't get the details when we heard it in Sunday school. But Jesus says to her, you know, if you really knew who I was, you'd be asking that I give you a drink. I'm going to give you living water. And she leaves the place joyful with anticipation of something happening in her life. And she goes into the town and she says, I want to tell you of a man that told me everything that I ever did. This is amazing. Something is happening. I heard this past week I was at training and, and, and someone was talking about people that are very, very disciplined, that, they, that they're very, very structured. And, and I'm very, I admire people who are extremely disciplined. I'm not as disciplined as I'd like to be. And this one person that they were talking about specifically, they questioned him about, you know, how is it that you've lived so many years so, such a disciplined life? And he said, I don't. He said, you think I'm disciplined? I'm not. He said, I live my life with anticipation of what's going to happen. I sit down to write and I anticipate what the Lord's going to give. I gather with a group to teach and I anticipate what the Lord's going to do. The woman at the well, when she went back into town, anticipated. She went with joy. She went with energy. She went excited anticipating what was going to happen. Those that followed Jesus after they were healed, those 5,000 that gathered on the plain at the top of the hill on the grass were anticipating a teaching that was coming. They didn't anticipate being fed. Isn't that interesting? They come anticipating the teaching And they got more than just the teaching. They got fed. And Jesus is, and and, and so all of a sudden I'm thinking of all these verses now that that start thinking about anticipation. And as we're going to get into the Easter story very, very quickly. I don't don't want to say Easter story, the, the account of Easter. It's not a story, it's a historical record. When we get into looking at that record, we know that Jesus has his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's anticipating what's going to happen. And one of the, the writers said, said this, and I, and I don't remember at this moment who the writer was. Might have been the Apostle Paul. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What does that mean for the joy that was set before him? Jesus endured the cross because of the anticipation he was living with of what would happen after the crucifixion. Jesus went to the cross because he anticipated you and me. I know that if I would have been the only person ever born on earth, Jesus would have had to die. Because if Jesus wouldn't have died, I would have had to pay for my sins with my life. And Jesus went to the cross 
with the anticipation of me coming to the cross. Dear ones, as we approach this Easter season, can we please come with that level of personal awareness, self-awareness? Jesus endured the cross for me, and he went joyfully, giving himself up. Was it sorrowful? Yes, we know when he prayed in the garden. But he went. He knew he would be separated from his father because he anticipated me. And I wasn't even born yet. He anticipated the day when I would come before him on my knees asking for forgiveness and for eternal life. And he anticipated that coming. He knew that was going to happen. He is anticipating. Jesus is living now in courts of glory, anticipating the day when I will be with him in glory, when we will share a glass of wine together. Because he said he will not taste of the fruit of the vine until he can do it with us in glory. That's living with anticipation. So, and I've, and I've kind of wondered, you know, the, the last few days I've just, I've just been, I'm, I don't know if I'm down, I'm just, I'm down. I don't know what it's from. Could it be jet lag? Could it be I had, I had four very, very, very busy days. My flight home was amazing. Everybody must have been praying. That, you know, everything just clicked on my flight home. I didn't have the delays that, that Tim and I had the weekend before. But I don't think I'm living enough in anticipation. I'm living too much with what's wrong. Not what God, is God doing. I even said to somebody this past week, I said, you know, I heard this, this phrase one time and I thought it was so great where, where God said, you know, I'd love to tell you what I'm doing, but if I did, you wouldn't believe it. We've got to make sure that we're living with anticipation. So we get to, and I, I promise, I'll get back to this feeding of the 5,000 here. So, so the people are coming with anticipation. They're anticipating this amazing teaching from the Lord. And what they got was amazing teaching from the Lord, but what John records is the miracle that happened. So Jesus turns to Philip, one of his disciples, and he says, what do we have to feed these folks? <clears throat> Philip tells him, you know, we've got a, what was it, 200 penny worth, something like that, not enough money, okay? We don't have enough that if somebody would go to town and buy and come back, we don't even have enough that people could each have a little. So Jesus, knowing what's going to happen, says, so what do we have? Imagine, dear ones, if, if we would be, those of us that are, that are raised with a German-Swiss background of planning everything, planning an execution, we've got a plan, we're going to execute the plan, and it's all going to work. And Jesus, so, so, and I imagine we would have been there like, Master, what are we going to do? I imagine we're talking with each other. They're probably having little meetings, not in rooms, because they are outside. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with all these people? We can't send them back. They're going to starve. They're, they're going to faint along the way. What are we going to eat? And Jesus says, so what do we have? And Andrew says, uh, there's a kid here with five loaves and two fishes. Ah. God bless Andrew. I probably wouldn't have said there's a lad with five loaves. Maybe the lad came up and said, hey, I got five loaves and two fish. Happy to give it. 
What does Jesus say? Have him sit down. Oh, I'm sorry. I would have been stressed to the max. Have him sit down and do what? What are we going to do? Well, Jesus, Jesus knew what he was going to do. He knew how it was going to happen. Have him sit down. And he prayed. And he said, distribute to everybody that's here. Man. Make the men sit down. And I love how John said, now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, the number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves and we had given thanks. He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise, the fishes as much as they would. Not let's parse it out. Not let's cut it really, really small. Give them the food. So they've all had plenty. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above them that had eaten. Five loaves, two fish, 12 baskets, Left over. Whenever I think of this story, I'm put in my place. Because there's so many things that I look at and I worry about. There's so many projects that I look at and I wonder, how is this going to ever happen? <clears throat> there's, there's neighborhoods of lost and dying people and I'm asking myself, how can we help? The city of Syracuse has one of the highest rates of childhood poverty and hunger in the country. Not in the county, not in the state, in the country. That's a sin. There's nothing I can do. I'm only one person. Jesus doesn't ask me to have the plan. Jesus doesn't ask you to have the plan. Jesus simply says, what do you have? Five loaves, two fish. That's all I got, master. And, they, and the disciples didn't even have it. They saw someone who did... <coughs> The young lad comes up and says, I got five loaves and two fish. Pardon me while I take a drink of water. Thank God bless whoever put the water here. They must realize the scripture that says not even a cup of water given in his name will not be remembered. You know the scripture. Jesus says, give me what you got and wait and see what I can do. I don't know how the child hunger situation in the city of Syracuse is going to be solved. But every business leader that I see, I talk about it. There's got to be a solution. We can't put up with this. How much child hunger do we have at, a, at High Acres? 
I don't know. High Acres is now um, some, some subsidized housing. I'm sure there's some there. My encouragement for us, dear ones, is to, we can always look at what's missing. We can always look at what's wrong. We could look at our country and come up with all the things that are wrong. <clears throat> and there's plenty. We could look in our church and see what's wrong. We could look in our families and see what's wrong. But that's not living with anticipation. The Apostle Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. He wrote that to the Thessalonians. But he also wrote, and I read it, I'm going to read it again, to the Ephesians. And it wasn't that the Ephesians were special. Because this, this letter, he would always say, read this letter in other places. <coughs> what he's saying to us is, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh within us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So be it. Jesus is saying to me today, and he's saying to you today, bring me your two loaves, your five loaves and your two fish, and wait and see what I can do with that. Wait and see. Had a conversation with some dear friends some, some weeks ago, very dear friends of ours, and, and, and the man sometimes feels discouraged. He feels discouraged, and I know that he shares the gospel every chance he can in an environment where he probably shouldn't be, but he does. And he just says, you know, I just don't know, I just don't know if, if it's making a difference. And his wife even says, well, look at the people, the young people that have, that have come to church with you. Every now and then one will. And he says, you know, in some cases there's Christians, I know there are Christians in my class and they don't even speak up. And while we were having this conversation, I remembered the song that I heard the first time at my Uncle George's funeral um, uh, a, a group sings a, church, a song called Faces. And basically this, this man lives his life and he gets to heaven and he, just, and he just says, you know, Lord, I labored. I labored in all these lowly places. I did all, I have it in my iPad, but I didn't bring my iPad up. I, 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 he, I says, I, ha, I, I, did, I did everything you asked me to do, Lord, and nobody came. What was the point? And what I love about the story is that the, the man is, he's not lamenting, he got to heaven. And what, we, what he was brokenhearted about was that his efforts didn't bring forth fruit. And then the Lord says, turn around and see the faces of the people that came because of you. We may not get to see the 12 baskets. We might. The disciples did. We might get to see the 12 baskets. But that doesn't mean God isn't doing something with our five loaves and two fish. All Jesus says is, bring me your five loaves and your two fishes. Whatever you have, as meager as that might be, and believe me, that I'm going to do something amazing with it. Something's going to happen with it. You might not know on this earth what will, but there will come a day, dear ones, 
when we will be with him in glory, when we will see the things that eye hath not seen and, the, and hear the things that ears have not heard, and when we'll experience things that haven't even entered into the hearts and minds of men. That amazing is what Isaiah wrote. But we're also going to be able to be blessed to know that God did amazing things with our five loaves and two fishes. I don't know who might show up for our Easter brunch. It's not my job to bring them. It's my job to invite them. It's my job to come with anticipation that the Lord is working, and he is working. Think, think about this. Sometimes when we, when we kind of wonder, is there any point? Like, does it even matter? Think about the situation. Was it Elisha, Elijah, Elisha's servant, Gehazi, that was worried? I think I always get Elisha and Elijah mixed up. But when they were surrounded by, by the enemy, and the prophet wasn't worried at all, and he just says to the Lord, let Gehazi see. And his eyes were opened, and there was this multitude of heavenly beings keeping the enemy at bay. Dear ones, that's happening in our life every moment of every day. Because Satan would have us. And God is greater Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit is greater than Satan. Every day as we walk through this, on this pilgrim journey, Satan would have us to torment us. And God says, no, they're mine. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? He said, Peter... Satan would have you to sift you as he will, but I have prayed for you. Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17. He said, I pray not for these alone, but those that will believe on me because of their name. That's us. He has prayed for us. He is watching over us. And he is living with this amazing anticipation of what he is not going to do, but doing in our life and what will be coming in the days and months and years to come until that day when that great anticipation will be rewarded and we see him face to face and embrace him as our Savior and our Lord. All he asks of us is what we have. Nothing more. He, when, when, when they gave out the talents to the one that was given two, he didn't expect what he got from the one that was given five. He only expects from us what he's given us. Even if it's just five loaves and two fish. And he will turn it in to enough to feed 5,000 with 12 baskets left. Dear ones, I pray that in this week, we all can be living with such joyful anticipation that we wake up each day wondering, what will he do with me today? May the Lord add his blessing to this word.